Hello and welcome to this, the 38th episode of the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. I am your host, the self-appointed cheerleader-in-chief of Irish Theatre, Angus McAnally, Artistic Director of Rise Productions, a freelance actor, more recently a director and a producer here at Rise. I'm a 15-year veteran of the Irish theatre scene and a third-generation theatre maker. And as ever, we are coming to you live from our studios at the Irish Theatre Institute in the heart of Dublin's cultural quarter of Temple Bar. And as ever, each week we are bringing this to you absolutely Absolutely free of charge. We've promised that we'll never ever charge for these podcasts. But as ever, we are looking for you to put your money into Irish theatre. What is the easiest way to go about doing that? Go and buy yourself some tickets. And not just for a Rise production show, though we will be on tour in the coming month. Uh, go and buy yourself some tickets for any show that's on in your region around the country. Um, you know, they're out there. Go and support them. If tickets are a little bit outside your price range this week or this month, go on over to one of the crowdsourcing websites like fundit.ie um, and see one of the great theatre campaigns that might be running over there that you can support. I mean, over on Fundit, um, donations start from as low as a fiver and there are always great rewards in return for those donations. So you're not just giving your money away. Um, you know, there's loads of great stuff going on over there obviously with um, the theatre festival coming up and the fringe festival coming up we'd encourage you to go over and take a look at our friends Ramblin' Man over there they're coming back with their production of True West and they're looking to raise a few bob over there too but uh, there are always loads of great uh, campaigns being run over there from theatre companies so go and support the troops of course there are ways you can support without having to put your hand in your pocket go and tell people about this podcast whether that's in person over a cup of coffee by sharing the link on Facebook or by retweeting the link on Twitter subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes if you will um, that is a big help for us over there. It's also a help if you go back and listen to some of our other episodes or if you leave us a review. That's massively important to us. It does a huge amount to boost us up in the chart position. Um, if you can leave us a review or if you can just click to rate us on their five-star rating system. Only takes you a minute but does a massive amount in terms of raising our profile over here, which, of course, as I say every week, gives us a better pr- platform uh, with which to kind of promote all the other shows that are going on around town. Uh, and it makes the whole thing go around in a wonderful, happy circle. Um, you can follow us, Rise Productions, on Facebook, we are facebook.com forward slash Rise Productions Ireland, or you can follow us on Twitter, we are at Rise Ireland. So it has been a lovely week for me this week. I finally got the chance to go down and see the opening night of Devious Theatre's production of Night of the Living Dead. And what a remarkable piece of theatre it was. Such a stunning achievement for the guys down there. It is an amazing show, I have to say. Uh, really delighted I got a chance to get down and catch it. Just the balls and the ambition of those guys down there is second to none. The idea that they're doing this without the whole kind of network of support that you have for you know the young and emerging companies that are knocking around Temple Bar at the moment making the work that they're making is just phenomenal, an amazing achievement. The first half is uproariously funny in many places uh, and a little bit terrifying at times um, and then the second half is uh, is really quite bleak I felt and kind of you know really harrowing in places um, and the without giving too much away the, the final image on stage genuinely had me in tears it was a remarkable remarkable heartfelt thing it's uh it's an amazing production and it's an amazing achievement for guys doing it down there. I'm just, I'm, I'm so proud of the gang. It is well worth a trip if you can make it down at all. It's only about an hour down the road from Dublin and uh, I would wholeheartedly encourage anyone to do it. And kind of on that topic, it was also a chance for us to trial something that we had been thinking about here at Rise Productions for the last little while, which is a new little initiative from us, which we are at the moment provisionally titling the uh, the Rise Productions Regional Theatre Road Trip. Uh, so we just decided we would pilot it for this production of Night of the Living Dead and it's something that we'd be looking to roll out over the coming weeks and months it's kind of it's an initiative to connect theatre makers from around the country who maybe wouldn't otherwise get the chance to engage with each other and then to hopefully develop those links and kind of have a bit of a dialogue going with some of the regional theatre companies who are making really exciting work and the crowd who are up in Dublin maybe getting a bit more attention and a bit more notice. You know, and it's also, I guess it's a chance to get um, Dublin-based theatre makers out of the little bubble of the capital and of, you know, the kind of that support structure of Temple Bar and uh, and to give them a chance to see some of the great work that's being made around the country. Um, and so what it is is uh, if there's a show going on around the country somewhere and there's a gang uh, in Dublin that you know that they maybe like would like to go down and see it or that the company would like to invite down to get it that we at Rise Productions will um, will provide free transport to make it happen uh, we don't provide free tickets because as you know the whole ethos here is uh, is to get people out and buying tickets and uh, it's funny you know we often get emails here 
uh, at the podcast asking us to maybe feature a show uh, in the roundup at the end of the show or you know to maybe do an interview with one of the participants and stuff and you know and they'll often offer us comps in the way that theatre companies always offer you comps but we have a policy at Rose Productions not to accept comps we always say look really appreciate the offer um, but it is our policy not to accept comps because we know how tough it is out there to, to make a living and so we say we will do our very best to try and make it in to see the show but we'll be happy to pay for tickets when we do um, and you know that's that's its own thing um, I'm not suggesting that's something that everybody has to do I'm just saying that for us that's uh, a decision we have made that um, you know we know how tough it is out there for emerging theatre companies hell we are one ourselves you know uh, so we understand how tough it is and we want to go and, and put our money where our mouths are so uh, it's that simple so yeah those are the little regional theatre road trip is uh, again a little scheme we'll be rolling out over the next little while stay tuned for more details on that but I'm, I'm delighted we finally got a chance to pilot it having been talking about it for the last while and uh, hopefully it'll give us a chance to make nice little connections between theatre makers throughout the island of Ireland so look that brings us to our guest this week and uh, as you'll hear me say at the start of the interview this is one that um that I'd kind of been looking at for the last little while because uh, while we had had uh, a huge amount of people who had serious writing credits that was uh, as guests on the podcast, there's no one as of yet that you would think uh, when you mention the name, you go, oh, well, they're a writer, uh, kind of in the traditional sense. Uh, and so this week's guest is the brilliant Gary Duggan, who I have an awful lot of time for, um, who, as you'll hear from the interview, I encountered very early on in my career, which was also at the very start of his career as well. Um, and uh, apart from that, he's just a great guy and a lovely fellow to be around. He is one of those really exciting uh, emerging voices and I say emerging he's been around a while now and is kind of getting to quite a serious level of success but you really feel that this kind of next little while there's going to be a, a kind of a serious push on things uh, and uh, and hopefully it'll just take him from strength to strength look as usual I'm not going to wrap it on too much we're going to get into it you're here to hear Gary Duggan so let's hand you over to him here he is the awesome Gary Duggan the wonderful Gary Duggan thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast this is amazing I'm delighted to have you man thanks so much excited to be talked to you um Right, okay, this is an interesting one because we had had a chat through the medium of the online interweb world where uh, we realised that despite the fact that one in three of the podcast guests so far had a writing credit and some even had Stuart Parker awards, there hadn't been a proper traditional sit-down writer. Writer, uh, writer. So I'm delighted to have a a writer-writer here at last uh, because I happen to like what writers do. Um, Let us, as we do every week, get back to the very beginning. At what stage did a career in the theatre seem like something you wanted to do? Um, I kind of fell into theatre by mistake, as I think a lot of people do. Um, <laughs> I always wanted to, to write stories. I was, I was like writing stories since I was in school. Um, yeah. I think I wrote like, sort of first scripts, like movie scripts when I was like 15 or something in, like, you know, in school. Um, and I started off and I actually was really interested in doing like comics, writing for comics. Really? I uh, used to draw quite a lot and that was kind of what I was known for in in school and Dunamid was was drawing drawn comics and being the person in the class who was able to, to draw Spider-Man and Batman and all that sort of thing. <laughs> um, so I, I think it was around maybe f- 15 or 16 and I actually met like um, a comic book artist who was quite a well-known guy who happened to be living in Dublin at the time um, and I had a chat with him. He was a friend of my dad like from down the pub and I met, met him and I was kind of going, all right, this is the guy now who I've, I've, seen, I've seen all his work and I'm going, great. And he's like, yeah, okay. Maybe this is not necessarily like the coolest job going. And <laughs> you think it is when you're like 14, 15, going, yeah, drop, drop Batman and Spider Man for like, you know, ever. <laughs> um, and uh, I started to think of other things. And I was, as you can tell from the room that we're in right now, like I was obsessed, obsessed with films from, you know, very early age. So, like, I started writing uh, sort of screenplays just for the hell of it. Like, it was around a time that Tarantino was hitting sort of big with like Pulp Fiction and yes. all that sort of stuff, and everybody wanted to be Tarantino. Yeah. Um, so that was something I was doing in school and uh, sort of, you know, had little indications of like, you know, interest in like Shakespeare and like um, uh, we did Play on the Stars when we were in school and I thought that was something I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, but I, had, I haven't really got a background in, in theatre at all. Like I've ever, I don't think I ever really went to theatre as a kid, like mm. um, apart from just the usual sort of, you know, going to see your King Lear or whatever. <laughs> and then... Um, Went on to college and uh, when I went to college, I ended up doing media production, which was kind of like a little bit of doing everything. Like, you know, you could do, do a bit of writing, do a bit of like editing, camera work, all that. And I did that in DIT and Rap Minds. And uh, in DIT and Rap Minds, they also have the uh, Conservatory of Drama. So there was lots of actors buzzing around. And uh, I started to hang out with some of them and I was kind of going like, these, these guys are, are a lot of fun to be around. And I started using them in, in, in little short films that yeah. I was making in college. And um, that 
that's that's kind of where I started properly going. Like I started to specialize then, going that like okay, like I enjoy camera work and I enjoy editing and all sound and all sorts of like technical stuff. But I think there was, I sort of starting to realize that I was kind of leaning more towards the writing end of things. Yeah. Um, and uh, around that time, as I say, I was hanging out with a lot of the the actors in the in the conservatory of drama, and a few of them asked me if uh, I'd be interested in, in writing something for them for the Fringe Festival, which would have been back in about two thousand and one. And um, what I had, uh, what I had at the time were a, a sort of series of little short stories, very very short stories, which were kind of more like monologues, and and that was developed into a show, uh, for a two thousand one fringe called Manhattan Whispers. Yes, that was a bit alright. So that was kind of my first, uh, sort of in any way, sort of like foray into sort of writing for theatre. Um, and was that the first time it occurred to you that writing for theatre as opposed to writing for the screen might be something that was of interest? Um. Well, as I said, I'd done a couple of short films. I'd written um, short films in college, and I think I think I'd graduated maybe in, I think I graduated in ninety nine. So like I'd I'd just been out of college about a year or so, yeah. and I had been um, pursuing trying to write um, write screenplays and that. And as I said, this around that time, around sort of ninety nine two thousand, I started actually going to theatre because I was hanging out with people yeah. who were way more way more sort of involved in you know actors and stuff like that. So so I saw my first couple of shows in the Abbey and and. Um, I was really sort of at the time. Conor McPherson was really massive at the time. He was had a couple of shows in a row in the gate, and um, was very much kind of on everyone's radar, you know. Mm. Um, and I initially knew Conor McPherson from writing. I went down to his movie yeah. with, with, with Brendan Gleeson from the nineties, like, and I was kind of going, "All right, so that's that guy. He writes for theatre, also, okay." <laughs> so I was maybe, completely maybe looking, this is an avenue. Look, looking at it from the from 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 the film end, and I thought, "Okay, right." So he 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 wrote a couple of plays that were in you know in the fringe and in the nineties, mm. and then you know broke into sort of film through that way, and then obviously has a massively successful theatre career. <laughs> it's, it's worked out okay for him. Let's yeah, say. yeah, it does seem pretty well. Um, so he was kind of a, a bit of a role model to start. I was kind of going oh right that's 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 the way that's the way you do that and mm. like that's that's how i sort of got it, it started to get interested more in theater because i saw it as a as an avenue initially into into writing for like film or for tv but then as uh, i got further into it i was going yeah i'm actually really enjoying working with like uh, theater people and writing for theater and, and you kind of learn like gradually learned what what it means to write for theatre, like I, as yeah. I hadn't actually studied studied drama or been to any sort of like you know theatre training courses, so I kind of just learned from going to see plays, reading a lot of plays, and then just devising stuff with actors who were involved in other shows. You know, and in your head, as you approach a project that is specifically theatre, uh, that set out for theatre rather than set out for movie, do you, is that something that is hugely limiting? for you because you can't do big sweeping opening shots over a desert and then cut to a polar scene and then to you know or do you go well in fact because you don't have the constraints of budget or whatever to, to create those things let's do it imaginatively and you can actually achieve more on stage maybe yeah it's a bit of both i mean as i say uh, like the first the first piece of theater was this thing called manhattan whispers which you couldn't really call a play it was kind of like a series a series of monologues and the, the monologues weren't particularly connected in terms of a story they kind yeah. of had like basically there are this sort of reminiscences of, of people who were in New York, like sort of students and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and around that time, I started, like, that's that's when I was, like, as I going to see a lot more stuff. So I'd seen a lot of the Conor McPherson shows, and then also there was, like, the, uh, Eden by uh, Eugene yeah. O'Brien and um, a couple of Marco Rose plays, you know, like uh, Howie the Rookie and all that. So they were all kind of very much what was in theatre at the time, yeah. sort of like, you know, at the end of the, end of the 90s, kind of start of the 2000s. And so, so I was going, all right, so an Irish play is basically a monologue play <laughs> because I hadn't actually seen a lot of, you yeah. know, your, your more traditional sort of, uh, I don't know what you would call it, you know, more like sort of natural, naturalistic kind of single location plays. So mostly what I was seeing at the time was monologue plays, which are in a, in a way kind of quite cinematic because they describe stuff in a sure. very visual way or a very internal way. And um you can get you can get sort of like you know crazy imagery I and mean, I think like something like Howie the Rookie like it feels like you're watching a movie yeah because the language is so vivid and the images are like really like thrown at you by the by the actors you know and um so that was kind of that that made sense to me I was kind of yeah, going, yeah I can I, I like writing the style I like talking about imagery and, and like action and all that sort of stuff and I wasn't necessarily putting two and two together that you could actually have that stuff happen on stage, but yeah. more like it's sort of secondhand in terms of the description and stuff. Like that. Well, speaking then about monologue plays, the very first gig that I ever did 
having just left Trinity, was a series of play readings down in Cork that Cork and Orca were doing. Uh, one of which was, was that the earliest incarnation of Mound? Uh, it was, yeah. And that came very soon after... Um the Manhattan Whispers one I think like around the time that Manhattan Whispers was on it was on in the um, the crypt in Dublin Castle and I think I saw a, there was an ad or a poster or something in the in the little foyer out there saying that the Corkadorka were having this like script writing competition yeah um, and the interesting thing about it was they said oh you can you can enter like a work in progress so you don't have to have a finished script so I'd started to, to, to work on this other piece which I didn't know necessarily was a play but I'd kind of written lots of little notes and, yeah. and, and, and excerpts and sort of like pieces of character and stuff which was mugged and um, I entered what I had, I can't remember what it was, I think it was, it was about two thirds of, of what ended up being the script yeah. and uh, sent it in and got shortlisted and then um, that sort of introduced me to Tom Creed because I think Tom actually was, was working with Cork at the time and he picked out uh, my script and sort of called me up and, and said do you want to come down to Cork and, and work on this with me and I was kind of going absolutely yeah great. <laughs> um, so that was that was that was again that was in the next step then it was like kind of going down to Cork for two weeks and actually uh, you know workshopping the, the material and then writing new new parts of it you know finishing it off with with Tom or with the actors that we had working on at the time and that was complete that was I guess my first kind of experience of uh, you know working in theatre really because uh, after Manhattan Whispers, it's kind of just making up as we go along. We hadn't really got a very clear indication of how you do it or what. You know, everyone was kind of starting off or kind of just experimenting with the form, like, you know, whereas Monk kind of felt like, oh, this is becoming a play now. It's like yeah. kind of like it's, you know, it's got the beginning, middle, and end. It's got a plot, it's got characters. And, uh, you know, it actually, I think it ran about over two hours at the time, the, one that, the version that we did in court. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. Um, so that was that was quite that was that was a great experience. I mean that so that like, kind of working intensively on on a particular project for like two weeks, you know, and kind of as I say, we were, we were, uh, workshopping it with actors, and then Tom had a, had a really good sort of insight. Done, actually quite what's that like? What's that like for you as a writer? When you is it brilliant to see your words brought to life by these incredibly talented people, or are they destroying your babies? And no, you're doing it wrong, or is it a combination of both again? Uh, a combination of both. I mean, like it's 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 always like brilliantly exciting when you have the, the cast read the play for the first time, and you yeah. kind of go, oh wow, okay, that's what it sounds like. That's what that looks like coming out of that guy's <laughs> mouth, you know. Um, so that's really exciting, you know. I love that. I still get a buzz out of that, like in terms of like, because you know, you're, the way I've, I write, sort of like a, you know, having long periods of time, just literally writing and kind of talking to yourself and having yeah. the voice in your head and kind of having a very, kind of sometimes quite specific kind of voice for each character, and then to actually have that be kind of either realized or completely transformed by an actor doing it, like it is is amazing, you know, and it's great fun. You kind of got to. Oh yeah, it either totally works brilliantly like it was in my head or it completely needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> how often are you surprised in those things? I mean, how often do you hear something, you go, that is not what I intended at all? Like, you know, a line reading or something or someone kind of taking a slant on a character, you go, Jesus, it, that had never occurred to me, but actually it's very interesting and, and helps the plot. Or I mean, are you surprised often? Do things jump out at you? Um, I think, yeah, when you have a really good director that you're working with, like, and, and then... Um, trusting them in the way they cast and and then yeah. you know, like you know there's been a couple of occasions on stuff that I've worked on where I was like really sort of questioning some of the actor, actors that were chosen sort of in the casting process and then I was completely surprised by what the director saw and then right, was able okay. to able to bring out and I was going okay shut my mouth in the casting process <laughs> and let the, let the director like sort of uh, you know show me what they're what they're what they what they see in the characters you know um so yeah there's definitely been a few surprises of that like in terms of um, people that come in, they do an audition, and it's like you're not watching your own play. You know, what I mean, you're kind of going, "Wow, they've completely owned that themselves," wow. like, you know, or made it, made it around. Um, that was kind of fun. I think I remember it happening when uh, Emma Kirwan came in originally to to audition for Mongs, and he literally just made it sound like it was his own words. Because yeah. I think he had a lot, a lot in common with the sort of the character and the material. Yeah. Like, but like, it was really like, "Whoa, okay." And then it was great that he ended up playing it at one point. But well. let, let's talk a little bit about Mongs because from that initial development time, whatever happened to that little play? Yeah, well, <laughs> that was that was kind of. I mean, that was fun. I mean, like it went it went really well in Cork. It was well received, and as I said, it was it was quite a different play in into a certain degree. I mean, it was a good maybe half an hour or 40 minutes longer than what actually ended up being what is the play now, you know? Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing about that was that uh, the play takes place over the course of a weekend. Like, it takes place, like, a, more or less three days, two nights, three days. And um, initially, 
initially the, the script was like four days. So I kind of had two days, an interval, and then another two days. Yeah. And uh, when so afterwards, it didn't it didn't win the overall sort of award or whatever it was for Corker Dorka, but um, I had the finished play out of that, like you know, and and because that's a lot more than I had at the start of the process. <laughs> so um, they were encouraged me to send it out to other theatre companies, and I think one of the first places I sent it to was Fishamble, and um, I didn't have any, I didn't have any connection with Fishamble, or I'd never met Jim or Gavin at all, but um. I think uh, I sent it in. I think I think I initially met Gavin and then sat down with him and, and both of them said that they wanted to to, to produce it and um, uh, that's that happened pretty quickly. I mean that that happened like I think maybe within a few months of Cork and then uh, then I had to which was very exciting and then I was like kind of going okay well when's it going to be on you know and yeah. uh, they obviously look like you know the theatre company's planning so far in advance and have on their schedules like you know it, it turned out that like although they, they wanted to do it, but it was going to be about two years before they could actually slot yeah. it into their programme. And I was like, oh, okay, that's really cool that they're doing it and a big theatre company and it's exciting. But I was going, okay, I've got to wait two years for this to actually happen. And then, yeah. so that was, that was kind of, that was quite, quite strange. Um, knowing that something like that is, is coming up in your future, but then yes. kind of like having to wait for it. And, and then um, I think, I'm trying to think of what else I was doing. I, I think, I suppose I was kind of, I was, I was still working full time. Like, you know, yeah. I was working in a, in various offices like I'm doing sort of like you know very straight sort of nine to five work and I was continuing to write other stuff like ideas but I wasn't really like thinking you know okay I'm gonna I'm gonna be a full-time writer and have a okay. career in this I was just kind of gone yeah okay we'll see what happens like yeah. quite quite naive actually you know and then Mount came about in 2005 I think it apparently was like 2005 which is like seven years ago now which is kind of like wow. very scary to kind of look back <laughs> on but um, yeah that happened I think like April 2005 so for me it was kind of like it was it was, it was a long time waiting for it to happen but like you know like that was um, that's part of the game like you know yeah. and then when it actually did happen I wasn't really prepared at all for how like you know popular it would be or what, and how what, it took how, over how, the world how it totally changed yeah it totally changed <laughs> stuff to my, my kind of in everything I mean it, it suddenly made uh, a sort of t- a career in theatre kind of like actually just appear like you know yeah. um, and I was kind of aware of that like I remember the opening night of it like in, in project and I was suddenly like you know meeting loads of different people whose names I'd seen in, in scripts and stuff and like you know in terms of like other productions and it's kind of oh yeah well, this is Jimmy Faye oh he's, he's sound yeah. shout to him and like you know I think I don't know whether Marco Rowan's in it but like various people that were like kind of connected with Fishamble and I'd worked them before and it's just kind of like theater seeing out an open night yeah. and I was going oh, this is great I'm actually you know meeting, meeting a lot of different people all of a sudden and they obviously enjoyed the play and um, I kind of really used that then to kind of like you know stay in contact like with, with different people so anyone who was like, I started chatting with at the time I was like oh, okay I'll send them an email a week yeah. later and kind of follow that up and that was kind of the start of you know kind of having the whole sort of connections with like you know the scene you know so how important is that because presumably for you know for actors as a rule, you're working with a half a dozen other actors or whatever, and, and you're in a room with a director, and the writer might be popping in and out, and a producer's coming in, and it's kind of that part of that team effort. Whereas presumably for you, it's a it's a more lonesome profession. Yeah, well, I think I mean I, I'm constantly learning and evolving. Like you know, now even like you know, like sort of seven years after that initial initial sort of like breakthrough, if you want to call it that. Um, it like just it changes like you know your your sort of relationship with people like you know sometimes you like you know you go through like periods of like being very like people are really interested in you and want to like you know see what you're gonna do next or maybe commission you to do something, and then you kind of go okay right so it goes quiet again for a while and then you're like kind of you're sort of like going okay well what am I gonna do this year now this year I haven't got a commission or yeah. am I gonna gonna try and um uh devise a show or do something for the fringe or like you know create like be quite active in creating something yeah. rather than kind of waiting for someone to come and ask you to do something um so it's kind of a trick of balancing both of those things like that's kind of like i mean i've had sort of on and off years where like yeah you know, since like i've kind of had like you know a quiet year and like have been doing lots of writing but like not yeah. really not really uh you know out in the open you know like in terms of like this having the show on maybe and then like you know the following year suddenly like it feels like there's like about like three or four different big you know, sort of events that are suddenly on, you kind of go, yeah, well, I've been working on it for the last, like, two or three years. <laughs> they just happen to sort of appear at the same time. You know? Yeah. Well, talk to me then about the, the pros and cons of being just being able to create work yourself in the way that if you're an actor who wants to put on a show, you need a team of director, producer, designer, co-stars, whatever else around you. Whereas, conceivably for you, if you want to go and write a play, 
you can sit down and write a play. And obviously getting it put on is a different thing. So it, I guess the advantages are you're in total control of when you create the work, how you create the work, whatever else. I, but I guess then the flip side of that is that you then need the structure to kind of go and put that on. Yeah, I mean, it kind of shifts around. I mean, just like I, I always try to have a couple of projects like on the go at the same time, like in terms of like, um, like alternating between you know working on a, on a week or a few days on one project and having something else that I can sort of if I get stuck on that one I'll, I'll jump onto the next one and right. kind of work on that for a while wait till I kind of get so, so to be as productive as possible you know and um, some of those things are on spec like they're just kind of might be like you know writing a short film or writing a, like a, a play that's you know you might produce yourself yeah. and then others are stuff that like you've been paid a commission to, to write and um and and finding the balance between that is tricky, you know. Um, I think you know, there's, there's a couple of friends who like have written and had a breakthrough play, and then they've kind of gone, and like you know, been offered like you know multiple commissions, and then they find themselves like you know stuck in a room for like two years, having to bang out like you know three or four plays in a row, and and you know that that's obviously a great position to be in, yeah, but sure. also kind of like it, it it changes the way you write, and it can change your your material. Yeah. You might you might get like a bit stale with with some of the material because you're literally writing to, to order like you know um so i don't know i think i think about the, the what i've kind of settled into is like you know really you know trying to get as many commissions and, and like stuff paid work that yeah. you can do and then also you know being aware that like the other sort of work that you do like sort of like you know stuff that maybe, maybe produce yourself or like devise with other people or even you know um uh, kind of dip into it like on a, in a smaller scale. That's great for keeping you 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 present as a as a as an artist in in people's minds and kind of interested in maybe you know getting to work with you again. You know, what is the day to day process like for you? Is it half four in the morning waiting for inspiration to strike? Is it a very strictly disciplined eight o'clock every morning? You sit down yeah. at a typewriter and well, I was another typewriter, but you know, and go at it. What 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 is that like for you? Um. It's kind of shifted over the years, like you know. Um, I like I very vividly remember, like when I was writing Mong originally, which I would love to be able to do again. But like it's probably just the way I, I wrote then. Like um, I would carry a notebook around with me all the time, and I would I would I would sort of literally walk around town or walk around, you know, wherever I was I was living at the time, like and kind of start taking notes and start writing literally just on the street like like right. complete sort of like wandering body sort of like um <laughs> with a beret and a kind of a pipe yeah not, like not far off that like you know um i think i wrote like about a tour of that play on the boardwalk in in, in, in by liffy like really? you know kind of just and and that's that was really exciting as well because you could literally just you know pick up stuff from like you know passing people like yeah. you know you might hear like a passing line of dialogue or something that that like you know some someone would walk by and you kind of go that found its way into the play and then you riff off of that mm. um I've, I haven't done that now in a while now, which is, is unfortunate because it was a lot of fun to do that, you know. But um, that at the time I was writing that, I was kind of in and out of, as I say, different sort of jobs. So I kind of wrote whenever I had, you know, time to write, like you know, and in a way that was kind of um a great way of working because like you really had to be, you know, okay, I've got an hour now, I'm gonna actually put something down now, yeah. and then have to go back and you know go back to work or like you know do something else, um. And then that shifted. I mean, when when Mong, uh, Mong came out like about a year later, it won the it won the Stuart Parker, and that, that sort of that award came with like a fair chunk of money, and that was kind of gave me the, the, the sort of like courage to sort of go, okay, right, I'm gonna actually quit my office job and I'm gonna yeah. try and write full time. Which is a ballsy move. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of like it's one of those things where you kind of you do it and you kind of go, oh yeah, brilliant, and and it's great for a couple of months, and you kind of go, oh, hang on a second now, this this money's only gonna last a few months. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get another chunk of money, but like you kind of need, I think. It worked for me. Like at that yeah. point, I was going. It gave me the 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 sort of like um, uh, the kick in the arse to sort of go like, right, you have to like you know work hard and, and do more things and write a lot of applications and do all yeah. those sort of stuff. So so when when that sort of that new sort of period of 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 writing came along, then it was like okay, right now it became more of a more of a job. Now you got to get up at a certain yeah. point and you got to do a certain amount of work each day and and you gotta like be aware of like all the other things that you are as a writer that, like such as applying for like bursaries or like awards yeah. or like any sort of things like that that are you know are not actually writing the play but are a massive part of having a career you know yeah. um and yeah even just like all that sort of like keeping in contact with people that like you know you're, you go to see a lot of other people's work and then you know you have like sort of like you know relationships with them in terms of like you know talking to me via email and saying oh, i like this and maybe we could do something so i think mm. That you, you kind of like that that was that was was the big thing for the change over like after after uh, quitting the full time job I was kind of going okay sort of managing 
a sort of a, a writing career like you know and, so, and so probably I think about a year after I was doing it full time I kind of went I've probably actually written the same amount of work that I would have like you know written if I had been in, the, in an office but like all the other stuff like as I said applying, yeah. for, applying for, for stuff to the Arts Council to Dublin City Council and then like you know doing residencies and, and like kind of like doing short courses and stuff like that all that stuff I wouldn't have been able to do like if I had a, yeah. you know stay, stayed, in, stayed in the regular job but I think we're getting to the stage now where that's like kind of kind of going. Jesus, okay, was that a, how? Like I mean, it's six years. That's six years later, yeah. and I'm kind of going. How how realistic is that as a as a thing? Is there such a thing as like being able to, you know, maintain a full time career in writing in Ireland? You know, it's yeah. it's a tricky one. I mean, I think it's like um, like a like it literally. I mean, each each new year that's come, like I've kind of had to find some particular thing to keep me going like yeah. this isn't there is no sort of stability sort of in, in it yet or certainly i haven't found it yet you yeah. know um well will you talk to me a bit about the, the structures that are there for writers to kind of to have a career because you talk about you know picking up commissions or maybe doing stuff yourself but even at that it seems that there are many programs or mentorships or commissions that you know you'll get something to a, a reading stage or you know a development week on something here but the the leap then from that development work or a commission to ultimately getting on stage seems to be a very difficult leap to make that you you know that there might be initiatives or supports there to you know work on something for a little while get it to a reading have a load of great actors in a room with a great director to give you the feedback uh but then how do you take it on or even that something someone like a big place will commission something and then sit on it for a couple of years and not get it put on how how challenging is that what structures are there for you talk to me a bit about that well, that's what I was saying a little earlier in terms of like that's why I try to have multiple projects yeah. going because you you can't really rely rely on any one project you know um, I mean even if you do if you're lucky enough to get a commission from like you know a big theater company yeah. like um, that's only gonna sustain you for like you know a portion of a year like yeah. you know and. Um, you know the, the sort of like uh, commission fees like they're, 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 it's 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 a lot small it's like a lot smaller than you would think like you know right. I think like you, you know it's you don't say like I'm writing a play for the Abbey or I'm writing a play for for a shamble and it's like oh grant I can live, I can live on that now for, for for two years it's like um you know so so there's that sort of thing of like you ha- having I don't know I mean that, that's that's what's worked for me I mean I think I think most people do kind of juggle some sort of a, a day job as well as mm. their writing um. And I've kind of avoided that for for a good chunk of that six years, like because I've literally tried to do as yeah. many different things as possible, and I, I I don't know how that's sustainable, like you know, for for a lot longer. You know, it's kind of like it's, but that's kind of the way I've I've managed to survive like yeah. for six years, um, and I think. Uh, I mean, so so I mean, obviously, does does the process? Like, I mean, if you get a commission and you want it, obviously, to, to do the absolute best you can possibly do for the commission, because there is the chance then that. It it'll it'll go out and be a be a production, yeah. you know, um, and that was something I was really aware of. Like I, I, got, I got commissioned by the Abbey in two thousand and eight, um, and that's only sort of coming to fruition now this year, you know. But I was aware that when that happened, I was going, okay, this is like a really big opportunity. Like, yeah. don't fuck it up. Like, you know, kind of really, <laughs> you know, like uh, listen to listen to what 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 they what they're interested in you as a writer, and then kind of like you know take take that on board and and like let that inform what you write, and then also you know really be excited about what you're writing about so that you're not just you know doing it to order you're kind of going i can i'm willing to work on this now for you know what it has been four years you know and you kind of go great yeah i mean just still still stand over it you know so that that that's like basically like really appreciating any opportunities that you're, you're given because like they are kind of few and far between and then you have to make a lot of other things between them you know to really make it workable um i mean like i've kind of had um I've had like a couple of really like lucky sort of like good things happen like you know over the course of the six years but then there's also been like a lot of a lot of kind of um chasing after and scrambling for things that didn't happen mm. and then also uh, projects that you kind of just make happen yourself that you kind of go like right right I'm I'm kind of I kind of I don't 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 really have a play on this year now that's that's been commissioned I'm gonna but I'm gonna do a play anyway because yeah. like keep keep, <clears throat> keep the practice going with in terms of like what what you're doing and also just. To maintain some sort of presence in like you know the theatre community, yeah. you know, so um, keep the Gary Duggan brand out there. To be yeah, yeah, I think I think that's that's kind of important, you know, because I think that it's just for your own sort of stamina as well. Yeah. To, to like, I mean, I, I don't think you can. I mean, I, I would love to be able to do like a full land play every year, and I mean, you kind of have seen that in people's careers. I watched um, 
there's a Q&A there around the time of that in the, in, in the gate and they're talking about like Hugh Leonard having a play for like, a, like 16 years every oh, year the in the theatre festival <laughs> kind of wow that would be cool <laughs> do you know what I mean but like so, so you're kind of going like I mean that is kind of the goal to, to, to be to do as much work as you possibly can that's my goal anyway like you know but I think it's you have to realize that, like, a, like a, that, that, like you know, you'll have good years and bad years, or you'll have like, you know, like a good a show that does really well and then a show that does less well, and yeah. kind of not being, like, getting too cocky about the one that does well, and then also not being like, you know, totally destroyed by one not doing so well, because you know, it's a, it's just that's the way it is for everyone. You know, you gotta, you gotta, gotta roll with it, like, you know. Will you talk to me a little bit about writing for the screen again, which has been happening a bit over over the last while? I mean, and and what that's like going back to it. Uh, and, and what the differences are between the two for you yeah um, well that's that's also a big part of how I've, I've managed to sort of sustain myself for like six years you know because like I, th- I think it's impossible to live off just writing for theatre like you know I, I don't think anyone I don't know I mean unless you know you're talking to someone like you know, Brian Friel Brian Friel Tom Murphy you know they're, they're fairly well established at this point you know um, I think they're doing okay yeah. I, don't, I don't think there is anyone that's kind of you know going to replace them and like you know in terms of like you know being like I, I it hasn't I mean even even like yeah well all the, all the current guys that are really successful like like Ender Walsh or Conor Fierce and they all have like film careers yeah. as well you know um and I think that that that's I mean I, I don't think that's kind of like oh they're just doing film to, to make a bit of money to support the theater yeah. uh, theater habit I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> um, but um I think that like you know like a lot of the a lot of the sort of a lot of the sort of current sort of playwrights are like kind of also like you know massive film fans you know yeah, so it's like it's, Eugene it's, O'Brien or Marco Halloran yeah. as well like all these guys are uh, writing for both absolutely and I think that's the that that's a great way of sustaining like if you can if you can do both and if you if I, I think it's good to actually I mean like not to go completely off and just do films as well like I mean, you know, like I think it's it, like theatre like lends itself so much so, like it's such a writer's medium or it can be yeah that like in, in some ways like film the writer can be forgotten quite quite in the process like you know there's a lot of like that's that's something you're saying the difference between the two mediums yeah. depending on well, the difference between the two mediums is that like there's so many more opinions like you know in <laughs> in, 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 uh, in film and TV like you yeah. know you're kind of there's I mean way more drafts as well like you know I think like in theatre you, you, you know I mean my, my process would to write a few drafts and, and, and kind of like change them quite significantly with each you know new pass but then you could be you could be doing like new drafts of like a screenplay or a TV a TV show like you know in a week you're kind of going like right okay let's do a whole pass of that change it da, 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 you know and right. um, taking on board like you know mul- like so like trying to that that that's you're taking on board like a like a, you know like notes from say the producer or notes from like you know if it's like you know RTE or a studio or whatever like there's there's multiple different layers of layers of feedback whereas I think most in most cases in theater it's just usually you just you and the director really you know for a new play um there's definitely other input from from producers or yeah, team, but like it's it's mainly down to like the writer and the director and uh the writer gets an awful lot of respect in in, in theater like as well like whereas i think you know and you you, you will as well in, in like tv and film but like it's not quite the same same like like people going Oh, the writer wants to do it this way. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. I, I, I think that 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 changes, and that that kind of goes into um, even the way the work is credited. You know, I mean, you can tell the difference. Like, like I mean, in terms of like you know screenwriters and how how well known a screenwriter is and how well known a playwright is. You know, yeah. in terms of like, you know, I mean, you can see my crazy collection of films here, but I mean, I couldn't name a lot of the, the screenwriters. It's all about the director. Yeah. Or it's all about the star. You know, and um, I think that's that's kind of um. That can that can kind of like you know get you can kind of see that as I say in terms of the way things are credited like I mean I'm a member of the Playwrights and Screenwriters Guild and yeah. um there's a big thing with like film festivals where like you know when in, in when short films or when features are like credited in in like festival programs and on websites an awful lot of time they'll actually leave out the writer they'll just literally have director producer like where where the yeah. the film was made and then like skip skip skim over the writer I mean, that's kind of shocking like you know yeah. so. I think that that's that's kind of like you know that's a bit scary going into that after like you know if you're if you're treated very well in theatre and people are very you know kind of like oh yeah great a new playwright and then you suddenly yeah. go like oh yeah you mightn't even get like you know your credit in the in the in the program of 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 the festival and it's kind of going wow okay that's quite an eye opener yeah um the difference in between I mean like as I say like because I kind of fell into theatre from you know very much kind of being interested in film and kind yeah. of starting to study in film um. My my writing for theatre has been very much influenced by film. I think you yeah. know already. So 
so making the transition back from writing plays for a few years and then to go write like a screenplay hasn't been that like dif- different you know mm. um you definitely i mean it, it i think the pace is quite different you know to write like write a film script or a tv script the thing has to move a lot faster the scenes are a lot shorter all sort of thing but then i always try to do that in my theater work as yeah. well that like you know it's like let's not have like you know incredibly long scenes or like you know let's cut all the waffle out of it as much yeah. as possible so that does move like you yeah. know more like a like a like a like a film or, or, or tv show so i think that's that's something you know they definitely feed off of each other you know i think there's, there's different types of theater where you know obviously there's like a total gulf between what's on stage and what's in in a, in, a, in a tv show but i think the sort of work that i do has has a lot of crossover you know can we talk a bit about upcoming plans because you mentioned a commission from four years ago from the abbey and that's now going to happen and not only is it going to happen, it's going to happen at the Abbey, as part of the festival, as part of their great writers' season. So no pressure there at all. Yeah, yeah, that's that was kind of hilarious. <laughs> I was kind of seeing that. I got a couple of e- emails from different people who are on the the Abbey's mailing list, and they're going, "Oh, you're a great writer now." Apparently. Like, oh, okay, um, that's kind of by default. But uh, uh, how how exciting is that? And tell us a bit about Shabari. Well, this Shabari, this, this the experience of Shabari now is quite similar to the way the experience has been with with, with, with Mong initially. You know, because this is a play that's like you know the, the initial idea for the play came about. Like I mean, I think I wrote the sort of like character out in maybe even in like 2007 I sort of said these are the type of characters I want to write about and that's what I gave to the Abbey and they, they looked at me oh yeah that, that could work and then I started writing the play I guess in like very early 2009 um, and worked on it quite intensively for like about a year or two and kind of did multiple drafts and then up until about a year ago I mean it's kind of like been fairly you know in place like so it's been a question of like the play is more or less finished now it's just a question of waiting for the production to happen you know um, so I think it's yeah I'm very excited for it to happen. Like I think uh, I think it's going to be quite different for, for for the Abbey as well. I think and that was kind of the plan. I mean the initial thing that was that was said to me I think by um, by Aidan Howard who's the literary literary manager in, in the Abbey. She was saying like you know to like what 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 interested her about my writing is you know that I write about like Dublin that's very contemporary, um and that I I, I could write a play for the abbey that can literally take place outside the front doors of the abbey yeah. and uh, so it's not it's 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 very current it's very much about like in the moment now and not like you know about historical back, uh, situations or anything like that mm. and I, I obviously left on that because that is what i do like i try to write stuff as, as much as possible in the now and, and like about like you know how people are living right now um so yeah so this so 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 the commission happened like literally i think in october or november 2008 which is like when the whole like you know world started to collapse <laughs> um uh, which was kind of really crazy time and obviously well actually quite good time in terms of like you know drama and stuff because you're kind of going like okay well we're entering a very dramatic time and yeah. this is obviously going to feed it into whatever i write now you know um so there's elements of these elements of that sort of dealing with like you know the change from the celtic tiger into like you know sort of recession era or whatever you want to call what we're in now yeah <laughs> in the politest terms yeah um, but it's one of those things for me because and you know the whole finton o'toole argument about how you know irish writers need to be responding to the situation whatever else but i think my problem with that argument is that you know finton is used to working in a newspaper medium which is a daily thing where yeah. it is quick turnaround and, and journalism is its own thing whereas playwriting is a different thing and you're talking about you know from four years from commission to putting it on stage yeah you can't be responding to everything you know instantly you can deal with things broadly but what i love is that okay it's a play that responds to where we are now but it's not about a banker in negative equity no. who has been abused by the Catholic Church who did you know yeah. like, you know it's not it's not trying to do that yeah you're not sort of like going totally on like you know there's like guys that are like buzzwords and things I mean yeah. like uh, th- there was a play that I was like a big fan of uh, called Closer um, yes Patrick Marber's play which is like exceptional you know, kind of, piece of writing you know and I, like and I think I read a, read an interview with him and he was sort of saying that like he was trying to anticipate stuff that was changing in London at the time or like you know I think he I think he wrote that sort of late nineties. Mid, mid to late nineties mm. and and stuff like he's saying oh the internet is starting so like he had like he he put in like a chat room scene yeah. in the play which was like absolutely you know revolutionary at the time yeah. but then obviously beca- has became everyday life now you know and um and stuff like that so I was kind of conscious of that when when sort of outlining what Shabari was you know I mean there is I mean I'd say the 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 main bulk of the actual writing of the play took place in like two thousand and nine two thousand and ten. And, you know, as I say, there's been, like, that's obviously two years ago, so it's still, like, and I was kind of going, 
yeah, there's, there's certain things I'm like, is that going to be still re- relevant? And then the scary thing is that, like, you know, it's gotten us more and more relevant, you know? I mean, I think there's, like, there might be, I mean, we're, we're, we're sort of um going to have a, a reading of a play with, with the cast, like, just before we go into rehearsals, which is coming up now in the next couple of weeks, and um, that'll be kind of my last opportunity to really edit the script itself, right. you know? And um, there's, there's one or two, like, you know, lines that I'm kind of going, oh, maybe they'll need to shift to, to be as current for now when, yeah. it, when it's performed. But um, like stuff like I mean I started writing it obviously when the recession was just a bit was just starting and everybody was starting to really panic and things and I was going that was really, uh, in there I was going is this gonna calm down in the next year and this will be totally out of date I kind of no so like I mean like that's like if happened as I say it's gotten more relevant it's like more people are in the situations that like uh, the characters are kind of in, um and the other thing that like I mean which has has shifted a bit in the time of writing is like I wanted to write a play that was like very multicultural like because like yeah. that's my kind of experience of Dublin is that like you know it's like in the last whatever 12 years we like you, you know we were in a very multicultural city like you know it's it, it's it's I went I went to New York when I was 20 in 99 and then when I came back um I found that like you know like Dublin was starting to like you know have a lot in common with New York in terms of like the sort of like melting pot of different like ethnicities and sort of uh, cultures and stuff like that and like that's obviously grown through the whole Celtic Tiger period and then it's kind of gone down a little bit since but there's like there's a whole sort of group of like people who like came here during the boom times and are not making it they're not like you know running away to to the next sort of boom place they're kind of like oh no I'm Irish now I'm living here and that was something that I wanted to reflect in the play so the play is like six characters and like half of them are are, are Irish siblings they're like two sisters and a brother mm. and they are Irish characters and kind of like I guess they're the ones that like you know most of the audience will kind of connect with but then the other half of the cast is um are, are sort of international characters so one of the one of the characters is um a black actor from London and um one of the characters is a, a Japanese florist and then uh, third, it was so an obvious move for a piece of Irish writing. Yeah, and it's like, get to that in a second. And then, um, <laughs> and then the third sort of international character is a Romanian, uh, a Romanian girl. And um, the thing about the, the Romanian character and the Japanese character, like they, they talk about in the play, they're very much like they, although they obviously come from completely different like sort of cultures and backgrounds, but they they've made like Ireland and Dublin their home now, and like you know to a certain degree they consider themselves like they they consider their Irishness, um, and that's that's kind of where I was going. I wasn't, I didn't want to do a play about like racism or about like kind of like, you, you know, illegal immigrants or anything like that. I was kind of going, no, just like, have, let's have an ordinary relationship comedy drama where, you know, our characters are from, you know, various different parts, you know. Um, there's another exciting upcoming thing and I'm not sure if we're allowed to talk about it, but um, a, a little project for theatre upstairs. Are we allowed to mention that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm all about like self-promotion <laughs> <laughs> tell us a bit about the plans for um, the wonderful Carl Shields new endeavour at Theatre Upstairs um, well the first time the first time around when, when it was in the plough I was like oh, this is great I'd love to be a part of this but then I didn't really I was busy on other things and I didn't like sort of throw my oar in quick enough and sort yeah. of say like oh Carl I'd love to do something here and then um but I was seeing the shows that were on there, and yeah. I was kind of going, "Great, okay." And then, and then that unfortunately, obviously, if like closed down, I was kind of going, "Okay, that's that's a real shame." Was I would yeah. I would love that. So as soon as I heard that Carl was like reopening it and doing it again in in, in Lanigans, I was like, "On, oh, right, I must get on top of this now, and uh, you know, get in quickly before he, he books up all his <laughs> all his uh, slots and, and like has like you know multiple other writers doing stuff." Um. So yeah. So I kind of got like a, a short play that I'm hoping to do there um later in the year and um. I'm gonna direct it. I was gonna say this is the interesting thing. How do you feel about that? Um. Yeah, I'm very excited by it. I'm kind of like I mean, I kind of avoided directing for for a good while, particularly for theatre, because I like I, I've directed like short films in college, and I, like I've 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 always had an interest in 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 ultimately maybe like directing for film, but I always felt like theatre was a very different thing. Like you know, like the stuff that like director really can watch, like you know, in a film is not necessarily you know obviously the actors are like a big part of like directing for film, but. You know stuff like you know the visuals and the editing and all that. You don't really have the same sort of equivalent to like in theater mm. to to a degree, and um, plus it's kind of like okay, do I have the vocabulary for talking to actors? I don't know. I mean, uh, most of my friends are actors. I have a lot of actor friends, but like uh, also like just being even on um being in like you know rehearsal rooms for my own plays, I kind of seen other directors work. I know, yeah, slightly different way of attacking things, you know, but um. I think I've kind of got like enough experience of that now of, of being in, in other uh, I say other other directors rehearsal rooms with my own plays and then 
just as I say, hanging out with actors so much that like I do feel like I understand the way you guys think and talk <laughs> and stuff. And, uh, and so I'm go- I, I, I just listen, just stand there, say it this way. That's all yeah, we need. Yeah, around. you know, not to be too just like do that, but like. Um, <laughs> But you know, so I think I think I've definitely got the vocabulary now to maybe talk to to talk to actors and to try and get the best work out of them. I kind of like know what I want out of them and, and like how how that's gonna how that's gonna um make the play better. You know, kind of make it make the script better. So I, like this is it's baby steps. Like I mean, this is I, I don't really have a plan now to 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 direct it like you know a full end play or certainly not even like a like a play um by myself like in the future yet like you know but um. This is a good opportunity. I mean, that was the first thing Carl said to me. He said, would, would I direct it? And I literally went, um, oh, I was hoping someone else would direct it. <laughs> and then I just thought about it. I said, no, I can do that. Like the play, it's quite a short play. It's only, it's only going to be like, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes. Um, not that that makes much of a difference, I suppose. <laughs> but it's only, it seems a little bit more manageable. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully going to like, you know, I'll be talking to different actors about, about doing it. And like they're actors that like, I, I, you know, seem to get on quite well with. And yeah. I think I have a good, good rapport with. So like, it's, I'm not sort of, you know, going to a complete stranger and saying, "Hey, come and 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 work with me for the first time," like you know. So, um, yeah, quite excited about that. I think that's gonna be um, yeah, it's, it's like it, there's a possibility that we might be doing it around the same time that Shabari is playing. Um, so that would be kind of interesting if wow, like, people are gonna take in a it, what it's gonna be. It's gonna be Drew and Duggan. <laughs> That's it. We'll do a full festival. It'll be great. Yeah, yeah. So I think that might be, you know, that'll be interesting. You know, hopefully they they can feed off of each other like a little bit. Maybe we'll see. Um, but that's that. Yeah, that's kind of the way. I mean, like I think yeah, yeah. Like the later later part of this year now, there's going to be a lot of different things happening. Um, and uh, the funny thing to say, like you know, you can you can be sort of be working on stuff for a number of years and kind of quietly in your own room and then suddenly like you know you have like three things that like I've spent about you know three or four years working on but they happen within two or three months of each other and mm-hmm. you suddenly go where the hell has all this come from you know yeah. so that's kind of I mean that's very exciting to, to to see happen but um it's also kind of frustrating that you're sort of waiting for like these things right. to, to actually hit you know um but that's yeah so I think that, that, one, that one's going to be called Mission I think is, is the name it's actually a, it's a play it's a short play that um was commissioned um uh, for a company in New York called Origin Theatre Company uh, several years ago um and had a, it was part of an anthology show uh where I don't know you know George Hesland you know yes. like George um sort of invited like, a number of Irish writers to to write short plays inspired by subway trips right okay and um again this was me kind of going all right I've got a commission now I'm going to do a really good job on this and kind of like this is exactly my sort of area that I like it's like you know like New York I'm obsessed with New York and I'm kind of going right I'm going to write a really cool half hour New York play and um, so that went that was that was that went down really well over there like as it was like I think some of the really great writers are involved I think um, Ruff Magic's recent show The Housekeeper sort of grew out of that as well right, that okay. initially started off as a short play and uh, was developed into a full length you know uh, for Ruff Magic then um, so this one Mission like is it's a couple of years old it's set in New York and um it's tree hand art. It's kind of black comedy, sort of suspenseful. Let I'll leave it at that. But um, yeah. I think um, I say that, like that's it's had an airing in New York, and now it's like I, I kind of know. No, this is this is interesting. You kind of have where, a bit of a, a connection with New York. You've had stuff over there a bit that you know maybe people here don't know a huge amount about. Um. Yeah. Like this. This was kind of the, the this pay, this short play mission was kind of the first thing that um. Uh, was staged in New York and then just before that I mean Mond obviously travelled over there as a reading it had um, a reading in, in New York in, in 2007 I think yeah. and that I, I went over for that and that kind of I started making connections over there and then um, this year the short play was the following year with, with, with George George brought over the, the reading as well for, for Mond and like that, that's the the the, the um play mission it took place in, in the first um, the first ever first Irish uh, right. which is a, which is a um an Irish uh, theatre festival that takes place in New York every September now. It's been run for the last, I think, four or five years. And um, George was just setting that up, and, 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 and that anthology show was going to be his kind of, like, first show to, to launch it, you know? And um, I kind of had a bit of, have a bit of a relationship with that festival now since um, in 2010 I had another play that was uh, produced as part of... Um, as part of the festival in the in the Irish Art Centre, a play called Trans Euro Express, which had a production here in two thousand and eight that that I was involved with, like and then, um, it, I was going okay, but it was a, it was a play that was finished, and like um George put someone in touch with me and said they wanted to to produce something by an Irish writer, 
and I said, well, have a look at this one. This one hasn't ha- hasn't had much of a life uh, outside of Dublin, and um, they loved it, and and, and they, they mounted it completely like in in two thousand and ten. Great. So I was in, in contact with the director. I hadn't met the director before. I hadn't actually hadn't met anyone involved with the production, <laughs> so it was complete sort of. Uh, you know, like chats on Skype and, and, and emails and then um, going over to see the production and I was kind of very, like literally arriving in New York and then the same night of my first night going to see this show, which could have been absolutely awful or could have, you know, and, and like thankfully it turned out to be really, really good. Like there was a lot of amazing stuff in it that was like, like um quite a different production from, from what had been done in Dublin and that, yeah. was, that was really exciting because that was, you know, sort of a, a second sort of, major sort of production of a play you know what I mean that's always exciting like I mean that's happened now with Mond as well where it's had like obviously it's initial initial production and then it had a revival with a slightly different cast and then it had a, a UK production and I think that's that's something that's like I'm always excited by like when you, when a play that's like already had a life has a, a different life mm-hmm. again with a different set of actors and you kind of see different um, interpretations of the same roles you know that's that's great I mean I want to hopefully have more of that now in the future you know um, tell me then about the magic wand for you what is the ideal is the ideal that in eight years time you're writing and directing your own movies getting Oscar nominations <laughs> in the States is it that Druid finally do Druid Duggan and take eight Gary Duggan plays and tour them around the world is it write just, eight plays for us <laughs> <laughs> is it just uh, you know staying regularly commissioned work and day to day as what is it what's the dream scenario for you um, to be quite honest like I mean like the dream scenario is just to, to be making a living as a writer you know um which is like i've, I've almost achieved now for the last <laughs> six years um but that's something like i mean to, to to have a little bit more a little bit more um i don't know security in that i mean that's obviously incredibly difficult to, yeah. to go but i'm um, that's that's kind of what i'm like i think we're actually genuinely happy with like if i get if i can write as a, 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 like you know continuously and, and make a living off it that's like you know not completely starving in the garret like i'm gonna go yeah brilliant um like way down the line sort of fantasy talking i would love to you know write and direct for a film um i'm, I'm, I'm definitely moving more into writing sort of screenplays again this year i've kind of went okay right now i think you know really try and try and keep that like to keep that in play as well um but yeah, like just just to be making a living out of writing is, is is what I'm after really, you know, and um like that's that that's that's a big enough challenge really, you know. I think <laughs> that's enough to frame it for for the moment. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I think like like I mean, I'm very excited now to have the play in the Abbey. I mean, that's 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 going to be like a big, a big deal for me. Like you know, in terms of like that, that was definitely a goal of so yeah. like you know, for, for like you know, from seeing, seeing a lot of plays. Like you know, as I said, when I was starting off going to theatre, I'm like, geez, I'd love to have a play in here in the Peacock. This is a great like theatre, like you know, um. So that's that's one of my goals, kind of going. Okay, great. I mean, then beyond that, it's like, well, yeah, I'd love to have a main stage. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, and then uh, you know, it's like I mean, like constantly. I mean, look, that's I have like yeah, you constantly think. I suppose it's the same for everyone. Like you kind of, you know, you kind of like, reevaluate what your yeah, goals are. Like, you know, yeah, you kind of like step up. like you know, be harder on yourself for the next one. Like you know, um. So yeah, that's that, that's kind of where, you know, I think I, I think I definitely want to balance writing for like film and tv and theater though i don't i don't particularly want to just you know jess and theater and go yeah. all right i'm going to be a screenwriter now i think i think they, they both sort of feed into each other in a, in a really interesting way you know um and you can see that i think you know people who, who who've gone off and written for movies and then they go back and write a play and they think that the hunger there is there for like you know character and language and stuff yeah. like that that they haven't really been able to exercise in the in in in, in writing for film where it's like a little bit more Different, different set of skills, you know. It's absolutely great. I, I really love it. I, I'm just so delighted there'll be so much of your work to go and check out for the rest of this year. Um, but look, let's leave it at that because obviously I have to pitch the idea of the one man show about a gaff player on Putman <laughs> who just kisses loads of sexy girls in the play because I think we could really work something on it. Um, Gary Duggan, thank you so much for a great chat. Cheers, Angus. Great to chat to so there you have it, the great Gary Duggan, such a lovely guy and uh, and a guy who has very, very exciting things going up. I'm really excited about that festival show, Shibari, that'll be on um, in the Peacock at the Abbey. I think that's going to be a great piece of theatre, uh, lovely cast lined up for that already. I think it's going to be something really special. So look, that brings us to our usual weekly roundup of what is going on around the country. Um, theatre Upstairs has Jack Cairo and the Long Hard Kiss Goodbye. The Viking Theatre has Giza Shotty Bongos, mister. The Gate has A Woman of No Importance. 
importance. The Mill Theatre in Dundrum has auditions, Zoe's auditions. Bewley's Cafe Theatre has pocket music, which I'm very excited to get in to see. Um, the Dubliner's Dilemma is ongoing at the New City Arts on Bachelor's Walk. Smock Alley has their production of Playboy of the Western World, and that'll be followed by The Lark from Fast Intent Theatre Company. Um, and that's a piece about Joan of Arc, because uh, this 2012 is the 600th anniversary of the birth of Joan of Arc. So uh, reason enough there to go and check it out. The New Theatre has Overtime with the great Stuart Roach, which is getting a great response so far. And of course, the Abbey Theatre, our National Theatre, has that great production from Wayne George of the plough and the stars as we look around the country devious theatre in kilkenny of course have uh, night of the living dead that's running until saturday do make it your business to get down and catch it um talking to john morton who you might remember as a guest on the podcast a couple of weeks back who is uh who's director of the show and co-writer um is talking about it as kind of popcorn theatre like a big summer blockbuster but instead of in the cinema it's in the theatre and that's exactly what this show is um i can't recommend it highly enough um as we move south down to cork the cork arts theatre has life gets tasteless and uh, and Tuesdays with Murray is at um, Ballymaloo as part of their summer season of theatre and uh, that'll actually be followed there by 47 Roses by Peter Sheridan um, as we move west out to Galway the Galway Arts Festival is continuing all the info there is at galwayartsfestival.com uh, and moving north up to Vel- up to Belfast, this is an amazing one. Molly Wobbly's Tit Factory is on up at the Lyric. Uh, and then also our Sales Rise Productions are on the road. Also in Kilkenny, we will be at the Owen Ree Festival on Saturday, August 4th. We will be at the Lazard Festival in Cork out in Skibbereen on Sunday, the August the 5th. And then the following weekend, uh, we will be at the Gap Festival in Ballythomas in Wexford. Uh, we have two performances there on the 10th and on the 11th. So get out and support Irish Theatre. Get out and support Rise Productions. So that's us that is episode 38 in the books we will of course be back next week for another chat with one of Ireland's leading theatre makers this has been the Rice Productions Irish Theatre Podcast for Angus Og McAnally I'm Angus Og McAnally we'll see you next week 